You're listening to What the Business, the business podcast where I interview independent business owners about success, failure, and all the moments in between. My name is Josie Berg, and I'm your host. Hello and welcome to today's episode. Today on the pod, we have Brooke Miller. She is the owner of Runaway Bridal, a bridal boutique store in Belleville, Ontario. And yeah, her and I chat so much about um, taking care of your clients, growing your business, scaling, and so much more. So please tune in, enjoy. Um, make sure you rate and review at the end of this episode and stay tuned for more by subscribing or following this podcast wherever you listen. Thanks, you guys. Enjoy. Okay. Hi, Brooke. This is Brooke Miller today we have from Runway Bridal and uh, she owns a bridal store. Um, Brooke, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and introduce yourself? Hi, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Uh, Yeah, so I am the owner of Runway Bridal in downtown Belleville, and the business has been open since 2009, and I purchased the business um, a couple of years after that, and I am moving into my 10th year uh, doing bridal, so it's it's crazy how fast the time goes, but um, it's been a pretty interesting year, obviously, for everybody in the wedding industry we decided to make a pretty big move this last year into a beautiful new boutique. So it's been, like I said, an interesting year, but still an exciting year for us as well. Mm-hmm. That's super exciting. Um, is the new boutique bigger? Did Was it an upgrade? Um, yeah, it's both of those things, actually. So um, it is definitely a glow up. It's very beautiful nice. and uh, a mix of modern and rustic. There's, you know, beautiful stone walls in the store, um, bringing it back to kind of its original state to a certain degree, but then obviously being a bridal store, we have glammed it up a little bit. Um, and it is offering us more than double the space that we had in our old location. Um, so it was desperately needed. We were operating in a little bit too small of a space for too long. Um, and to be honest, given the COVID stuff going on, it has been beneficial because we can spread out a little bit more and offer more than one appointment at a time. Okay. And it's just down the street from our old location. So we didn't go too far. Um, do you get foot traffic? I don't, Um, I mean, maybe in normal times. (laughs) Yeah. In normal times, like we haven't been in this new store in normal times yet. So mm-hmm. um, we just moved there in November. So during COVID, we are 100% by appointment only. Um, and to be honest, even in normal times, um, we do prefer to be by appointment, just because the nature of the business allows us to help our brides a little bit more um, in depth when we can kind of pre-book them and, and work with them ahead of time, ahead of their appointment to mm-hmm. make sure that we're on the same page as them and that we can help them leading up to the big appointment and uh, finding them what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. So did you work at the business before you bought it? What was that like way back in 2009? Um, so in 2009, uh, actually it was a totally different owner. 
Um, her name was Stephanie and she founded the business and opened it. And then there was another owner, Marianne, um, and she owned it for, uh, I think a year or two in between there. Um, but anyways, I had nothing to do with the business. I had never worked in bridal. Um, the business was for sale and I had worked in real estate a little bit doing some admin and marketing work. And so I would sort of just watch listings, um, Mm -hmm more so just out of curiosity to see what was going on. And I saw that runway was for sale. And so I thought that it looked like a fun opportunity. <laughs> and so at the age of 24, I, I decided that I was going to buy the business with no experience in bridal. And um, my background is actually um, business admin and business marketing. So I thought, hey, you know what? I'm young. I have the chance to either make it or, you know, a chance to recover if I don't make it. Mm -hmm. Um, So my parents thought I was crazy and (laughs) I bought the business. So nice. (laughs) They don't think I'm crazy anymore, but they were. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sure you were too. Um, Yeah. But, you know, you got to fake it till you make it and you made it. So you're good. Thank you. (laughs) So, um, talk a little bit about that process then of like, that must've been a really hard learning curve after you bought business, learning the ropes and starting. I mean, it's a storefront, right? I mean, yeah. Appointments only for sure. Um, and that's pretty typical of bridal stores, but mm-hmm. like you, you have to deal with suppliers, buying, buying things like inventory, things like that. What was that like? Yeah. You know what? It seems so funny to like, think back to that time because a, I don't remember a lot of it. <laughs> and B, I think it was easier than I thought it would be. Like, obviously I've had stressful times um, throughout my experience, but I remember thinking, okay, well, when you buy this business, like you're going to be up all night and working 24 seven and like stressed out to the max. And like, that's for some reason, that's what I had in my mind as an entrepreneur. And don't get me wrong. Those moments happen. Um, but it wasn't as crazy as I had kind of built it up in my mind. So um, the owner stayed on for about two weeks with me to get me all set up and organized and going. Basically to teach me sort of the basics, the ins and outs of running an appointment, how to do orders, all that kind of stuff. And then she had to move on because she had already secured another opportunity. Um, I mean, she was local to the area. So, you know, worst case, if I had a question or something, um, she would be available for me to reach out. Um, But obviously not having somebody there beside you is different. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just kind of figured it out. I mean, I'm a very like hands-on learner. So, I mean, the best way for me to learn is to just do it. So that's what I did. You know, I kind of fake it to make it a little bit at the beginning. And um, I did feel that um, some of the suppliers that I was dealing with at the time, um, I don't know if took advantage is like the right way to say it. I, that seems a little dramatic, I guess, but, um, I definitely learned quickly that I needed to be in control of my buying and not them controlling me in terms of buying. Right. So that was something that I learned very quickly mm-hmm. after I spent a little bit too much money. Um, I never got myself into like a predicament, but I was just like, wow, I can't be profitable if I'm just like letting this inventory eat me alive. So mm-hmm. um, I, that was just a really quick kind of learning. Curve. Yeah. And uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, and I'm sure um, those different companies were used to doing it that way. Um, Prior, like you get into those kind of routines with businesses you work with, I think. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so you've probably shook shook them up a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I know that for sure, like the bridal industry has changed a lot in the last 10 years um, and how things used to be done and how things are done now are a little bit different. Um, You know, there's sort of this thing as there is with, I'm sure any industry that, you know, you have to buy so much volume and so many times a year. Mm -hmm. And um, if you don't, then, you know, these are the consequences and things like that. And you kind of just have to learn. And this is what I learned quickly is like, well, this is what I can afford, or this is what my profits are in this collection. And I'm not willing to spend more on this until I can see a bigger return. Mm -hmm. So we can either work together or I can find somebody that will work together with me from another designer. And I mean, those are hard conversations to have sometimes, but if you don't have them early, sometimes those sales reps are going to walk all over you. Um, And I mean, not all sales reps are bad. Don't get me wrong. I have some really amazing sales reps that we've, you know, created some, some great relationships. Um, and they understand my business and they understand, you know, like I don't need 30 of that style of dress because that's not our bride in this area. Um, versus, you know, like a store in Toronto has a ton of brides that want that crazy big ball gown with the Mm -hmm. gemstones through the top, you know? Um, but that's not necessarily our main bride in this area. So you just have to, work together and figure it out and it's okay sometimes when those relationships don't work out and to really sort of um work on and maintain those relationships that are good and those that are looking out for you Mm -hmm. yeah for sure and I think too there's something to be said about like kind of setting the boundary right away setting where you're at what you need and your expectation for that business that you're going to be working with so that they can turn around and totally respect that, understand that and deliver that creates like a really strong working relationship more than kind of letting them dictate or you dictating, like just both setting the clear expectation of what, what's, what needs to happen really for both parties to make money. Yeah, that's exactly it. And, you know, you have to start somewhere and they have to understand that you're starting somewhere. And the intention is that, yes, I would love to buy that many dresses every single season, but we have to get there. And I have to show the numbers have to show that it's going to work. So, um, I mean, obviously in bridal, it's really hard not to be, (laughs) um, I guess, kind of like overwhelmed with all the amazing, pretty, beautiful, shiny things, right? So, but you have to be careful because they have to be able to pay the bills too. Yeah, for sure. So I assume you probably had, like the first year, you probably had tons of appointments from the previous owner that their clientele had kind of, um, or they had kind of set up like their own clientele when you got there. How did you start getting new clients? Did you want to kind of change the clientele you were getting? And what was that process like for keeping customers, brides, grooms, couples in the door? Yeah. Uh, from what I can remember, and it sounds crazy, but I, some of those things are really um, foggy for me, but I, <laughs> that's okay. It's 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that um, most of her, the original or the, the owner at that time, her brides had been taken care of so like their dress orders had already came in like she had kind of 
had a bit of a plan in motion okay, um, nice. in yeah. terms of her exit. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, there wasn't a lot that I changed right off the bat. I feel like um, I was interested in purchasing the business for a reason. And there was a lot of reasons. Like I liked the brand. I liked what they carried. I didn't want to change a ton, especially mm-hmm. right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, because you also don't want to like shock your existing um, yeah. clientele or we didn't really have followers at that time. I mean, like Facebook was a thing then. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of advertising, I really kind of started to ramp up more Facebook stuff and be more active on um, social media, which was pretty much only Facebook. Facebook, <laughs> yeah. Wow, that makes me feel like ancient when I say that. YouTube, like, <laughs> I think, was kind of just starting. Yeah, at the time, and maybe, like, or like just picking up. And Instagram wasn't a thing, or at least it wasn't a thing around here at yeah. that point. Um, so I think traditional measures of advertising like newspaper and radio mm-hmm. and stuff like that um which I mean I feel like sounds so archaic in this moment but um yeah it was different and um a lot of word of mouth in a small town obviously mm-hmm. I still today most of our clientele is referral or word of mouth so yeah um and I mean now we're on all platforms we're heavy on Instagram we do some TikTok you know we have Google my business. We have, yeah. uh, you know, like we've got it all. It's, it's just so much to keep up with, but um, yeah, I didn't change a lot when I initially went in. Um, obviously things have changed over the years, but um, not drastically. Like the brand is very, what I would consider still in line with what it was originally. Obviously we've grown and expanded and changed with the times. I think mm-hmm. that's kind of the biggest thing is trying to stay on top of everything and stay current. Yeah. Well, and wedding trends change all the time. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then just making sure we're offering that amazing experience that people are telling everybody they know, like, mm-hmm. hey, you need to go there, right? That's really the biggest and best form of advertising. And I know it sounds cliche, but it's the truth, especially mm-hmm. in a smaller town. Yeah, for sure. That's actually one of my questions. So I'll jump to that one is, um, one thing, service-based business owners, which you guys are, and I am, well, I guess you're kind of both, but anyway, Monday morning brain there, service-based business owners, a huge part of kind of growing and growing your business big and getting it really big comes with really delivering an out of this world experience for your clients so that you can start to charge more so that the expectation does change. You start to get, you know, higher paying clients or clients that, that really want that experience and they're comfortable, you know, paying a little, a little bit or a lot extra, whatever their, you know, means are. Um, so talk about, yeah, how you treat your clients, what kind of things do you provide that add to their experience or at the very least, what's your approach to that um, kind of thinking? Yeah. So obviously um, clients are what pay our bills. So clients come first. Clients are, you know, what we do every day in terms of like staying on top of things and making sure that we're getting new people in the door. So um, typically in this industry, it's not a repeat customer sort of situation. Um, So we've got a short window to grab their attention. Hopefully we've already done the work to have them know about us by the time they are engaged or 
you know, there's, I feel like there's a couple of different types of brides. There's the girls who have been, you know, watching us on social media, anticipating their engagement, you know, waiting until the day they can book their appointment with us. Planning. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then when they get their engagement ring and everything's good to go, then they're, they're so excited to jump in and be part of it. Um, And then there's maybe girls who haven't really thought anything about it and now they're engaged and they're like well what do I do now where do I go you know um so servicing both of those people both of those kinds of brides um and we try our best to um make sure that they're aware of us kind of you know pre-engagement obviously is amazing um but definitely once they're engaged you know we want to make sure we get their attention quickly so that they want to come to us. They don't want to go to any other store. They like what we do. They like our brand. They connect with us. And that's where they want to get their dress. Um, So what happens is um, we have a few different touch points. Obviously, social media, they can follow us there. Um, We do have a sign up on our website for people who want to get get our newsletter. And then once they've booked an appointment with us, we do some pre-appointment kind of conversations um, getting the information from them on what they are planning their wedding to look like and get a feel of what their expectations are and set our expectations as well. So that could be anything in terms of like, what does your appointment look like? How long is your appointment right now? How many people can you bring to your appointment? What are you comfortable with in terms of spending your wedding dress? Because that's an expectation. Mm-hmm. You know, if if your budget is $500, there's nothing against you for having a $500 budget, but you might not be our client. And that's really hard. That's been something I've been trying to work on. Well, I have been working on and and still have to work on it is that you can't be everything for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and that's tough sometimes. Like you don't ever want to turn somebody away because like I said, everybody has a budget and I am okay with that. I think that's great, but you have to, shop within your budget and maybe we're not your store yeah um so just sort of making sure we're having those conversations in advance so that nobody's surprised when they come in because the worst thing is if you come in the store and you have this super specific dress in mind and we don't carry anything like that Mm -hmm. or you have this budget in mind and you cannot spend a dollar more than that and we don't have that in the store like I want to make sure that you're prepared ahead of time so that we have a really great seamless um, time together versus, you know, you coming in the door and being like, whoa, well, like, you know, we don't, we can't help you mm-hmm. um, because nobody, nobody wants that. Nobody no. wants to be, have their big shopping experience turn into that. So yeah, we do some preparation work ahead of the appointment. Um, and then obviously we try to maintain that relationship through the entire process of when they say yes and the order time, and then, you know, making sure that they're coming back for their bridesmaids and their moms and, tuxedo rentals and other accessories mm-hmm. so um like I said we don't really do repeat customers necessarily um obviously we've had some repeat brides which I'm I'm always happy to see familiar faces however sometimes it's in different yeah. circumstances but I mean at the end of the day as long as they're happy that's all that matters really yeah. to me um and uh well, and yeah, as a business so. owner that just shows how good of an experience you gave them their first yeah. time yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And I mean, life happens and totally. it's 2021. Like, I mean, yeah. there's no judgment on our end. <laughs> like, it, just, no. it is what it is. So <laughs> um, yeah. So we just really set the expectations from the beginning and we just try to really build a relationship from the get-go. Mm-hmm. And I think people appreciate that. Yeah. 
So you mentioned that, yeah, your referrals are huge for your getting new clients and stuff like that. I think that's great. Um, Do you use any other marketing tools that help you bring in new clients? Yeah. um, Honestly, I feel like this is ever changing, obviously. Just yeah. (laughs) you're like wow okay we're getting like so good at instagram finally like i feel like we found our momentum and then it's like whoa tiktok and now we have to get on tiktok reels guides yeah i'm starting to feel old and overwhelmed (laughs) (laughs) um by the ever-changing social media so i i do try to be current as much as possible on those things um but again it kind of goes back to the you know do one thing and do it well um because, you know, having one post here or there isn't getting you anything out of it anyway. So um, we're working on TikTok. That's a, that's a growing thing for us. Um, But in terms of, yeah, it is. And um, it's tough because there's so many things to do in a day. And for me right now, I feel like, is that really income producing? Yeah. Because it's kind of fun, but it's not income producing. So it gets pushed to the back burner, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But in terms of traditional kind of like marketing and advertising, or not traditional, but what we're doing, I guess, um, Facebook and Instagram and Google My Business and just making sure anything on Google is up to date. Um, Doing um, email marketing things like that is kind of where we stick to. We do some Mm -hmm. Google advertising, like Google ads as well. Um, And if we have like a specific event or something going on, we will sometimes use local radio. Um, Okay. We really don't do any print advertising anymore. Um, And we'll do like Facebook ads and Instagram ads and stuff once in a while, Um, but not steady, which is on my list of to get better. (laughs) yeah this year so yeah it's been a weird year to market because you don't like we usually have a series of events going on each year and like Mm. it's hard to plan for that stuff because you can't just have a free-for-all of people in the store and like are we going to be shut down then or Mm -hmm. what does it look like for people on the other end you know like there's girls who are just um sort of apprehensive in terms of what they're going to be looking at throughout the year so Mm -hmm. yeah no it's tough I used to post on Facebook every weekday diligently with hashtag like everything I did Mm -hmm. the full thing and yeah at some point when we got put back into lockdown or maybe in November I was like I just can't keep this up like it's so exhausting and draining and I mean at that point I had still never had anyone say that they found me through Facebook so I was just like what Okay. Even though I know I should still, because they all connect to each other, right? So, right. But yeah. yeah, no, it's Well, tough. and I mean, that's the thing. We don't recreate the wheel with our Facebook posts. Pretty much anything that goes on Instagram goes on Facebook. We just change it out the littlest bit yeah. when we're doing our scheduling. So, yeah, reword, change a few hashtags. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so, what kind of approaches do you use when you're marketing on Instagram? Because your Instagram is like I did a scroll through, it looks very successful and you have lots of followers. So what are either some tips or tricks or things you find work for you? Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, I mean, I would say one of our successes for Instagram was we started at the beginning and that's when things were really 
kind of organic and easy in terms of mm -hmm. getting followers. Um, it's a lot harder now to grab people's attention and to be prevalent and, you know, in their face when there's so much going on, um, on Instagram specifically. Um, but we have, I used to do all the posting myself, <laughs> which I laugh about because that's crazy. <laughs> um, it's just, it's just never ending. So like, how do you yeah. ever get caught up? No, it's a so, lot of work. I, I did have um, a company do some of my social media for a little while um, and it was good and they knew their stuff, but it's really, really hard to hire somebody else to be your voice. Um, so I, they were good at what they did. It just didn't feel authentic to me. Um, so we kind of ended that contract it was kind of a good timing. COVID had hit, so we were pulling back on some of our expenditures and things like that anyways. And then um, I had a staff member who went on that leave, and then she was um, during COVID. Um, well, COVID happened after she had had her baby, so then, you know, daycare and everything's an issue. So anyway, she didn't come back to mm -hmm. work in the mm -hmm. store but she still wanted to be involved. So she understands the brand. She understands the dresses. She knows the lingo. Yeah. Um, so she's actually doing all of our social media remotely. Oh, nice. um, and her and I connect on a weekly basis in terms of planning and getting organized and everything. So when we're in store, like the rest of us that are in the store are making sure we have the content available for her. And then she's going ahead and doing all that um, nice. scheduling and stuff as much as possible. And she she has a good eye for that kind of stuff and um, it's working. So it's nice, nice. to have that kind of off <laughs> my plate. Yeah. It's very, it's a, it is a, like a full-time job. It's a lot mm -hmm. of work. And I don't think people realize that sometimes on top of the million other things that you do as an entrepreneur. So mm -hmm. um, again, I feel like Instagram is amazing. And for us, it works because we just happen to have really pretty things. So it's easy to create content that way. Um, but it, it's, it's a job. <laughs> oh, for sure. So. Yeah. You hear influencers say like, it's a lot more work than people think. Like it's really mm -hmm. tough. And sometimes I used, well, I used to for sure. And sometimes still catch myself kind of rolling my eyes, but then I'm yeah. like, no, it is like if that, right. yeah, if you're doing like sponsored ads and you have expectations with like the people that are paying you and you got to be putting out things exactly that are catching and eye-catching and actually drawing people into your page. It's, it's tough. I mean, yeah. And let alone emails, client work, like a bajillion running appointments, selling dresses, you know, like obviously that's our priority over yeah. Instagram, but at the same time, like you want to be working with and producing with the customers who are in your store, but you're also trying to capture those who are, you're trying to get into your store. So, mm -hmm. um, and I mean, it used to be easier. You used to make like one post every couple of days and people were all over it. And now you can post like three times a day and hope that you get 20 likes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's so crazy. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's always a work in progress. There's never, yes. I don't ever feel like, okay, we've got that. No, 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 no. And when you do, it changes right away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You finally feel like you're in, getting some momentum and then Instagram's like, hey, here's our new algorithm or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I always like to say work smarter, not harder. Do you have any kind of work habits or routines that you do um, back end or front that help with efficiency? <laughs> um, oh, yeah, this is hard. This is... It's a hard question. 
<laughs> yeah, it's um, it's been a work in progress. This new store, um, my my deal to myself was when I get this new store, my plan is to work on having more staff who are able to do jobs that I don't need to be doing. Um, and I don't mean that in like a, I'm above that type of job sort of way. There's just other activities that I can be working on that other people in the business cannot. And, you know, cleaning mirrors and tagging dresses and steaming dresses and, and working with brides, like those are all things I still like to do. Uh, I mean, maybe not the cleaning mirrors part, but, <laughs> um, but uh, there are things that I, my time is better spent doing in terms of growing the business. So my intention with this new store, I mean, I'm still trying to push forward given, you know, COVID and everything, but um, is to start to, to grow that. So um, I'm stepping back a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, I still love working with brides. I still love selling all of that kind of stuff, but my intention is to grow the front end staff so that I can work the back end a little bit more. And that basically equates to managing my time better. Um, yeah. And delegating, which is something that I'm really, really trying hard to get better at. Um, I would say I'm probably a bit of a control freak. People would call me that. Um, but it's just hard when it's your, it's just what you've done for so long. Yeah. It's hard to hand it off you know, to somebody else and you, you have expectations and your clients have expectations. So your staff has to also be on the same page. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but yes, I am trying really hard to get better at delegating and organizing my time better. Um, for me, I have been putting my phone into like airplane mode when I'm working on specific projects so that I don't get sidetracked. Um, I try to have one day a week, sometimes one and a half days a week right now to just kind of be in the office working on stuff where I'm not distracted. Um, obviously I could use like three to four days of that a week, <laughs> but I'm working with what I have for now. So yeah, no, that's yeah. fair. I think just like, you know, trying to time block. Um, I feel like a lot of that stuff sounds cliche, but it really does work. <clears throat> I think it helps keep you focused. For me, it's turning my phone off or mm -hmm. like getting it out of my way so that little notifications aren't distracting me um and then I also heard a really amazing um I don't know if it was a podcast or something I was listening to anyways um and it was like your inbox is not your to-do list and I was like wow mm. because how many times do I check my email folder every single day and yes there's emails there that are important that, that you need to respond to but you don't need to check your email literally every 15 minutes that's not productive you know, like spend 15 to 20 minutes first thing in the morning and do those things and answer any of those emails that are there. And then maybe the last 15 or 20 minutes of your day, yeah. you go back and that's yeah. it versus like every, you know, five minutes or 10 minutes you're going in and I don't know, it's just a distraction. So I've been trying to really keep that in the forefront of my mind is like your inbox is not your to-do list. Mm -hmm. So it sounds, it sounds really, I don't know. Yeah. It sounds really simple, but I don't know if I'm the only one, but I literally am the worst. I just like checking my email, checking yeah, my email so, and it's just I'm not bad. productive. Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm bad for that too. I think. Yeah. I mean, it's just so easy to 
Cause you're like, Oh, I'm just being on top of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, and that's exactly it. And it's, it's not a bad thing to be on top of it necessarily. It's just for me, I'm not as productive on things that I need to be productive on. If I'm just literally answering emails all day long, every day, when mm-hmm. I can still look after those emails first thing in the morning and at the end of my day and my clients can still be looked after. Yeah. Well, and that's even that is still being on top of it. So yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I have, I have to remember that because there's so many places that you think you email and like, you don't hear back for like a week or better. And then you're like, yeah. oh, did you get my email? Yeah. <laughs> it's so, true. It's true. Yeah. Um, I like the phone thing. I've, I found myself in quarantine and lockdown, just a whole pandemic year. I'm a lot worse with my phone and letting it distract me. Mm-hmm. So it is good advice. Just like put it aside. <laughs> yeah. And for me, like just from a personal kind of checking out level, I try to turn a lot of my notifications off so that I'm not getting like, a, Oh, somebody liked your photo. Somebody liked your photo. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, obviously I like that people are liking our content, but I don't need to know that 24 seven and I need a chance to check out. And so I will see those when I go in to check. I don't need to be notified of those things. So I've just kind of decided to like pick and choose what I want to be notified about. So, you know, if there's like a direct message or something like that, um, but even that kind of stuff, I try to just do within relatively reasonable business hours. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. And I think even going back to the kind of first part of your answer, um, like, having more people on the floor when in the business to help do things that you don't necessarily need to be doing. I think that's really smart just for like scaling your business. Right. Um, Cause that kind of has to happen for a business to grow bigger, right? Like you have to be, you can't be doing everything at once and growing really big. Like you kind of hit a point where like you need that, those extra hands to be doing those things. Um is there, so is this move a big jump as far as the amount of work you can do now for scalability wise? Um, <laughs> my intention is that it will be a, a big jump. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be, it won't be a jump. It'll be a evolving <laughs> sort of change, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah there's just so much training that goes on to be able to be on the floor. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, you know, a lot of people think like, Oh, well, selling bridal gowns is just like, wow, so fun. And you just get to like play in pretty dresses all day. And yeah, that's part of it, but there's so much more to it. So, mm-hmm. um, and just staffing and stuff like that. So, um, it's, it's evolving for sure. I want to make sure that my team is really solid, um, before I step too far out. And when I say step out, I'm, I mean, I'm still there. I'm just working on different things. I just might not be helping, you know, every single person that walks through the door. So, um, we're getting there. We're definitely getting there, but it takes time, you know, Mm um, I've gone from working in the store totally by myself to staff coming in and out. And Mm -hmm. so I, I really like to have a solid team. I don't like to have turnover. So I, I'm also working on being a better leader. That's also hard as an entrepreneur, I find. Like for me, I really struggle with that because it's been so long since I've worked for somebody else mm-hmm. um, yeah. that I try to make sure that I'm doing some training and stuff for myself so that I am a good leader so that I can have better staff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, and that's a struggle. As, a, as an entrepreneur, I would say 
staffing and training and all that kind of stuff is one of the hardest parts of business Mm -hmm. for sure. How many employees do you currently have? Or, I mean, I don't know. Are you guys open right now for appointments? We've been open. We reopened mid-February. We were one of the first um, healthy. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So that was so exciting. Um, But right now I have four staff members and that includes myself. Okay. Yeah. Um, so one works remotely though. Uh, it doesn't work in the store. And then two, one has been with me for about a year and a half. And the other one is new since we reopened after okay. the second shutdown. So, uh, it's still, it's still new. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything that surprised you about this process? The growth adding more, obviously more potential for more, more clients, more sales. Um, anything that surprised me? That's a good question. I think the biggest thing was I've been wanting to do this move for so long that I just kept thinking, is it the right time? Is it the right time? Don't do it. Chicken out, things like that. Can I afford it? You know, do we really need it? Are we maxing out what we have? Um, I I don't know if this is like a normal person's brain or (laughs) you know, you just have all these crazy thoughts of like the pros and cons. And then you just get busy with day-to-day stuff. So it gets pushed because it's not a priority. And then, so finally I just said, how many times am I going to have this conversation with myself in terms of, I know I want to do it, but what am I scared of and keep pushing it back. And um, finally I just said, you know what, for lack of a better word, like screw it just do it. And I Mm -hmm. have a lot of friends in the industry um, who have made the move. And they said, I know it's scary, but be smart about it, obviously, but you will be so much happier in the long run. And you'll see your return so much quicker than Mm -hmm. you think. Um, And it's true. As soon as like during the build out of the new space, I was like still freaking out a little bit. (laughs) And I was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? This is crazy. And then literally the store coming together, like the finishing touches coming together. I was so excited to be, it was just so much more on brand with what I wanted and it's pretty and bright and airy and just way more the store, the boutique that I wanted for runway and the ability to offer more appointments and just you know, now on a Saturday, like the buzz and the excitement and the people and the bodies in the store. It's just, I've just been like wanting this for so long. Mm -hmm. And so now that it's done, I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish I had done this, you know, three years ago, four years ago. Um, So is it scary? Yeah, it's scary. And it will, it still have scary moments of like, you know, you never know what's going on in the world, of course, but I think that's any business. Mm-hmm. anytime um so I mean hands down we moved in November and we're in what March now yeah. and for sure like I'm so happy we did it I would do it again in a heartbeat and anybody who's thinking about it obviously you have to be smart about it you have to make sure your ducks are in a row and that you can afford it but just do it mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I love that no it's yeah. true sometimes you just have to take that leap of faith yeah into the abyss <laughs> yeah Um, so how has COVID affected your year? Um, did you have to make 
any big changes to keep money coming in? Um, did you do online things for your brides or couples or clients or whomever? Um, what was what was this year like with the pandemic? Because <laughs> the wedding uh, industry yeah. has had a very unique experience. Well, it's everyone been crazy. Has really, but yeah, I know it's been crazy for everybody, no matter the industry. Like. I have a lot of friends all over the US and Canada who own stores. And so um, it's been eye-opening from a lot of different perspectives. Um, like my, some of my friends in the States, it's like, is there even a pandemic happening? Yeah. There? <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, to us being like shut down and masks and, you know, all these precautions and things like that. Um, but it's been tough. I mean, we were shut down this time last March. I think everybody kind of shut down. So for us, our typical busy season is January through April, May. Yeah. And so we were closed for March and April. Um, so that was a bit of a hit. And then um, we had to sort of, get creative in terms of like well how do we keep things going and it it's so funny to think back now because I remember when we closed down I was like okay it's gonna be like two weeks it's not mm -hmm. a big deal get your stuff together you're gonna work on so many projects you're gonna get so much stuff done this will kind of be like a working retreat <laughs> and I just like now I think like you're such an idiot <laughs> I mean, we all you thought know. that, like yeah, everyone. Just, now that you think back, you're like, wow, how yeah. naive. <laughs> yeah, truly. Um, but uh, in those first couple of weeks, like I worked my butt off and I was like, look at all this like uninterrupted time. We're going to get all these projects looked after. And I did for the first couple of weeks. And then I sort of like fell down this like deep, dark hole of like, oh my gosh, like what's going to happen? Can we afford this? Like, mm -hmm. is my business going to fail? You know, it was just like, this roller coaster of emotions. And um, I'm lucky to have some really awesome people around me in terms of support to kind of, you know, get you out of those moments. But um, we then decided, okay, well, like, let's try to keep things moving. And there were some, some other stores that I was following, and they were um, starting to offer virtual appointments. So I thought, what the heck, let's give this a try. Let's offer them. And did I think that it was going to be a super, super success? No, but it was a perfect opportunity to stay in front of people and remind them that we're here and we do offer this and that. And if there's anything you need, like reach out, we're here, we're waiting for you. Um, and we did have some girls who found their dress virtually. So there was a few different oh. options. We did virtual appointments so they could just literally do like a FaceTime call with us or a Zoom call with us. And we would set up our mannequins with stuff that they had pre-selected. Okay. We would tell them all the details. And some girls would be like, yeah, I want that dress. That's my dress. And then obviously there was girls who were like, ooh, but I need to try it on. So we also did a take-home option where they could do some of that pre-selection stuff with us and then pick up a box of dresses to take home to mm -hmm. try on. And then we would join them again virtually um, during that like appointment basically um, yeah. to help them with any questions about dresses. So that was, I wouldn't say like incredibly successful in terms of like a long-term thing, 
Um, but it did the trick for a few brides who really needed a dress on a certain timeline. Mm-hmm. And we did roll that out again during the last lockdown. Um, not the way that I would want to run my business for a no, long period of time, no but, <laughs> but it certainly helped for, you know, a few months. So, yeah. Yeah. That's um, fair. Yeah. And then I was kind of just trying to be like very in front of the camera in terms of like Insta stories and Hey, we're here. If you need anything, like if your dress is on order, like nothing's delayed, we'll be reaching out to you and just sort of setting people's minds at ease. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we just, this last shutdown, we made sure well, even the first shutdown, we just collected like a wait list of people who wanted in and we just tried to stay really on top of it so that when we were able to reopen, like we could go kind of full last. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, do you outsource anything? Uh, my bookkeeping and accounting. Nice. That's nice. Money that I spend yes. monthly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I used to do a little bit of like the bookkeeping, not really even bookkeeping. I would, most bookkeepers would be like, uh, that's not bookkeeping. Um, but just some of the inputting of invoices and stuff like that. Um, but I have decided like I that's something that I want somebody else to do that I trust and they know what they're doing I do not when it comes to that kind of stuff so I do try to stay on top of it though so I know obviously what's going on Mm -hmm. but in terms of like the inputting and the accounting and all that stuff like leave it to the professionals yeah for sure yeah well they say yeah Yeah. Yeah. Well, they say that like business owners, especially like smaller business owners tend to get audited the most. So. Yeah. Yeah. I just, that was like one of the first things that I ever outsourced and I will Mm -hmm. never look back. Yeah. Nice. (laughs) So, um, and then outsourcing, not a ton. I mean, I would say the social media, even though it's sort of internally outsourced, Mm -hmm. It's kind of nice to have that yeah. off my personal plate. Um, yeah. Yeah. I am getting better though at saying like, you know, if I want this to be done well, then like hire the person that does it well. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, it's important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For certain projects, I guess. Yeah. For certain projects and things like that, we typically would outsource, but it just depends on what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, I think it depends too on what like your time schedule is like or your skill level in whatever it is. Um, Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, What's one thing that has taken your business from like zero to 100, something that has leveled you up? It can be like a program and just like a system, something physical. Hmm. Something that has leveled us up. I think our new store is one of those. Nice. Yeah, that's a great answer. (laughs) I don't know. It's just, it's shiny and new. And like Mm -hmm. people love that kind of stuff. People are eating that stuff up right now, right? So Mm -hmm. it's just exciting. Um, We have had like a specific POS system in place for quite a few years now. um, And just that kind of covers everything for us in terms of some of our Oh, I also outsource our email marketing. That's one other thing. That oh, okay. Interesting. Um, again, not like, sorry, we just got sidetracked, but no, it's okay. not 
to me, it's not like rocket science necessarily, but it's just one of those things that I never did because it got pushed to the back burner. Yeah. And I decided like, why not hire somebody that just can do this and do it well and you don't have to worry about it. So, so they like write it every whatever and send it out. Yeah, we do like a bi-weekly newsletter um, and then there's the odd email that goes out if there's like a specific event or something going on. Um, and then we have a really easy situation set up where I just have like a Google form and I, or a Google doc and I plunk in like, okay, these are the dresses I'd like to see in this next email. And here's some important points. And she puts it all together and makes it look pretty. And, nice. and they're a local company too. So I try to, nice. if I am outsourcing, I do try to use like local yeah. as much as possible too. So. Yeah. Um, I hate email marketing. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's one of those things that just like, as a small business, it may be, I think it's hard to see the return on investment sometimes, but we are f- fairly new to it. So I'm just sort yeah. of like yeah, starting to see some of the, the outcome. So Okay, that's good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just kind of a little bit mundane for me. Like I just find I struggle to really get new ideas and creative ideas. And I mean, you don't have to reinvent the wheel every email, but you most definitely want to be delivering value. And yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is like, you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. Like I think (laughs) sometimes we make things harder than they need to be. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, for me, like we're lucky because we have pretty things to put in emails. (laughs) Like we just put a bunch of pretty pictures in, you know? Um, And we're like, Oh, by the way, you can book your appointment here. Um, but yeah, I, it's one of those things we're working on as well. Cause there's some people who do phenomenal at, at email marketing and, you know, I feel like maybe we're missing out a little bit. So we're trying to get some traction on that now. Nice. Yeah. But, um, yeah. To, to finish answering your other question, mm-hmm. um, in terms of kind of leveling up. So the new store, obviously shiny and new and exciting, um, and a big, like I said, glow up essentially for us, um, and then the tool that we use looks after inventory and some um, streamlined email marketing specific to a certain customer. And then um, like it's our POS system and inventory tracker and mm-hmm. you know everything. So it's, it's kind of always a work in progress, but it's definitely a major, major help. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you must have a lot of dresses at any given time and keeping track of you know, if you only have two of them and someone buys one and like what that kind of looks like for you as a business owner, when you need to buy more or all that, all that stuff, you need something to help keep track. Yeah. And for us, I mean, like we're doing a ton of custom ordering. So like Mm. we need to have everything organized so that Mm -hmm. we know where your dress is in the process and, you know, whose dress is coming in and is it accurate and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I really appreciate you taking the time and um, for sharing your insights with me and my listeners. And it's just really awesome. So thank you. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for having me. I super appreciate it. Thanks for listening in. Remember to check us out on Instagram at what the business podcast. See you at the next episode.